As we come to this passage this morning, I must give a few preliminary remarks. There is more in this passage that I could possibly touch on in a single sermon. This is one of those passages, if you're not familiar with this passage, you might come and read it once, and then you might say, I need to read that again, and then again. And then you might scratch your head and be like, what, what, is, what did Paul just say? Because there are ideas here that might surprise you. There are themes and words that they might even shock you. There are words in this passage that have caused great division in God's church. But I think this comes to pass because there is great misunderstanding about this passage. This is one of those passages that college students will stay up until the middle of the night debating about what's true and how we're supposed to understand it. But that's because we often think of this passage as theological, as pedagogical, as Paul is speaking these words in this passage only to teach the church about God. But I think that is an incorrect way to read this passage. I think we come to this passage as Paul speaks about the great Trinity, God three in one. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But we see where Paul pushes the reader, pushes the church of Ephesus. The primary purpose of this text is to show the church why it should praise God. It is doxological. This, the point of this passage is so that the people of God whom Paul has just spoken to in the first two verses of this book so that they might turn to God and praise Him. The purpose, I believe, is to cause an emotional response for brothers and sisters who have found their new identity in Christ. And Paul is calling these people to praise God with everything that they have. There's so much theology that I would love to speak about. But if we only spoke of the truth of the theology of this passage, we would miss Paul's point. We would not begin where Paul wants us to begin. We would not begin where the church should begin. To praise God from whom all blessings flow. To praise Him, as our first hymn said, for all the great things He has done for us in Christ. And as has been my custom as of late, I'm going to tell you where we're going in this passage. My goal is to make us, the church, marvel at the grace that God has had for us in Christ. To God be the glory is where this hymn speaks of over and over again. And if you're here this morning and you do not believe in the gospel of God, if you have not come to this passage, as this passage says, and believed in Him, believed in Jesus, I believe this passage is calling us to respond 
As I said last week, with Jesus, there is no middle ground. You either follow him by faith or you reject him and remain in your sin by the freedom of your own will. But what I want us to see this morning is is what those who believe in Jesus, what they have in Jesus. Because what we have in Jesus, we only get because of Jesus. Nothing, nothing that we have done have gotten us to the point we are. We are here because of Jesus. With that in mind, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father, please bless us this morning. Lord, we ask for your hand of protection over John and Terry. Heal John. May the medicine that he is taking be effective. Give him strength. We ask for you to protect Terry. May she not contract this virus. May we as a church bless them and pray for them. Lord, we lift up Barbara and Paul Green. Heal her. Heal them both. Give them strength. Lord, we pray for our community as we hear daily more and more people getting sick here. Protect us. Lord, we pray for John Crosby and his ministry at RUF Memphis. Give him strength to preach the gospel. Lord, we pray for our country and the PCA's mission to North America that have over 25 ministry initiatives from church planting to prison ministries to disaster relief and ELS ministries. Lord, may your church in this country stand for the gospel. Bless us as we're going into this new year. We pray for Alan and Anne Cochet in France. Lord, may you rise up ministers and families that love you and that love the people that you have put in their lives. May you give them courage to draw near to you and to be a light among the nations. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. An affinity for the Holy Trinity. Paul begins this letter after he has just introduced the church of Ephesus and told them about their new identity in Christ. Paul begins with 
a boiling over of emotion, and he breaks into praise. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, let me ask you, what gets you excited? What gets you to happily scream uncontrollably? I know many in this congregation watching your favorite football team might do this when they score a touchdown. If they actually get to score a touchdown, as is the inference with Arkansas, that doesn't happen very often. But some of you don't care about football. And so I might ask you, what is it that gets you to stand out of your chair in excitement and joy? How many of you get so excited about something that sometimes you enter in to a stuttering ramble of verbal consciousness? You're looking for that word to describe your feeling. And because you can't find that word, you just go on and on and on trying to look for it, but instead just say every word that comes to your mind. Well, in Ephesians 1, 3 through 14, this is where we find Paul. Paul understands what Christians have just gained through God from God through Jesus Christ, and he enters in to this flow of consciousness. Verse 3 to 14 is one sentence, 202 words. Paul, in an almost intoxicating enthusiasm, just blurts out a blessing upon God for what he has done in Christ through the Holy Spirit. Now, in our, in our Bibles, we, ha- we have it broken up into 11 different verses, into a bunch of different sentences and phrases, but this is one long sentence in which Paul tells the church why they should be excited. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And why? Because He has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Paul is prescribing the church to bless God because He has blessed us. The Scripture is full of episodes where God blesses His people, and the only proper response they have is to turn in response and bless God for blessing them. In Psalm 16:7, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. We bless the Lord because He has first blessed us. And we must ask ourselves, is this how we live our lives? As we read this passage this morning, when we read verses 11 through 14, are we so overwhelmed with the blessing that we have in Christ that we have nothing else to do but turn in response and bless God, praising Him for what He has done? For his people. I know for myself, as I read this, I really think, man, this is really great. God really loves me a lot. But then it doesn't take me very long before I begin to say in my heart, you know, I kind of deserve it. I've really done a lot this week. Or, the flip side, 
I didn't do some things that I could have done. No, that's not, not where Paul's going. That is the sinfulness of our own heart because as we confess in our prayer, the gifts that we receive are not based upon our works. We often, we too often love the created rather than the creator. We often associate blessing with approval. We often believe that God blesses those who are good, those who are kind, those who are fill in the blank, because our hearts far too often mistake God's blessing for something that we have done rather than what God has done for us in Christ. Please tell me I'm, I'm not alone. There's only one thing in these 11 verses that the believer does. There's only one thing, and it's in verse 12. Hope in Christ. That's it. Everything in this passage points us to see what God has done for us. I cannot say it this morning. Everything in the, in the gospel, is dependent upon a God who loves us, Christ who saved us, and the Spirit that comforts us. None of these blessings have anything to do with anything we have done. Everything in the gospel depends upon God working for us. And the purpose of the title of the sermon, I wanted us to see the Trinitarian plan for all of history. Not just for you, not just for me, not just for this church, not just for Fayette County. In this passage, what Paul sees and what drives him into this doxological praise is because God has revealed a mystery of His will for all created history. And all of it is to the praise of His glorious grace. We see this three times. First, we see it in verse 6. To the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. And then again in verse 12. So that we who first hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. And then we see it lastly in verse 14. To the praise of His glory. From beginning to end, from verse 3 to verse 14, what Paul is calling the church to do is bless the Lord and praise Him for what He has done for us by grace in Christ. And because of that, I want us to see three things. God the Father administrates our redemption to the praise of His glorious grace. God the Son accomplishes our redemption to the praise of His glorious grace. And God the Spirit applies our redemption to the praise of His glorious grace. The Father administrates our redemption for His praise. In verses 4 through 6, this passage, well, I should, shouldn't say 4 through 6, I should say 3 through 14, this passage is Father-focused. And fatherhood is a divinely ordained mission. For better or for worse, fatherhood in all of its lows and all of its highs, is a position given to men within the smallest social realm of society. Father's Day will be celebrated on June 20th, 
2021, Lord willing, we make it there. And if we take just a few seconds to think about everything that our fathers have done for us, it shouldn't take us long to see why the New Testament places such a strong emphasis upon fatherhood. Many of us, hopefully, have had great fathers, a father who loves us, a father who encourages us, who builds us up, a father that does not provoke us, but leads us and prays for us and with us, a father who guides us, a father who provides for us, because this is what a father is supposed to do. And this is what we see God the Father has done as he had administrated our redemption in Christ. He has blessed us in every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. This is what our Father has done in Christ. He has done what? He has blessed us. He has chosen us from the foundation of the world that we should be blameless before Him in verse 4. He has predestined us as adoptions for adoption as sons, verse 5. He has lavished His grace upon us, verse 6 and 8. He has made known to us the mystery of His will, which is the theme of chapter 3. He has set forth a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Christ. All of these things the Father has given to us because He loves us, not because we deserve it. Because we, under our own circumstances, have forfeited the right to be called the children of God. In, verse, in chapter 2, this is where Paul goes. He says, because our trespasses, we are dead to sin. But then he gets to verse 4 in chapter 2, and he says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. This is the hashtag blessed life. Being blessed by God the Father in Jesus Christ. And look at everything he has given us. He's given us everything, every spiritual blessing, not everything that we could imagine. He has blessed us with everything he has imagined, and he has given us everything in Christ. Our Father went well beyond what we ever could have expected or anticipated, and what does it say? He lavished it upon us. He is not tight-fisted. He is not greedy for himself. He wants to bless his children. And in Christ, we have everything. At our most recent diaconate meeting, one of our deacons, or our deacons were discussing the budget for 2021. And please continue to pray for them as they make those preparations. But one of our deacons started calling another one of our deacons liberal. And to a lot of your ears, that's that's an insult. But he kept saying, you liberal, because this deacon was speaking of how he wanted to give all the money that we had to everything that we were doing. He wanted to provide everything the church could for all the different ministries so that those ministries would flourish, so that those ministries would have everything that they could want, everything that they might need, 
and so that the church would function well. He was being liberal with the money because he wanted good things to happen to this church. And the other deacon was given a hard time because at some point, the money runs out, right? We, we, we can't have all the money in all the different ministries. It has to be distributed. distributed. God is liberal with his love for us in Christ, and his love never runs out. He has blessed us in Christ. And there's nothing more that we could ask for. We have everything in Christ now. There's nothing more that we should want. He is not withholding something for us that we might obtain later because somehow we figured something else out or we've done something to earn his love. We have everything in Christ. He has given us everything. Nothing more he has to offer. There is nothing greater that can be given than the beloved, the one God loved, Christ himself. He cannot love you any more than he loves Christ. Do you believe this? Do you believe that right now you have all of God's affection and love? Your bank account is full. Nothing else can be deposited. You have everything. And he has done this as he tells us, in, as Paul tells us in verse 5, 9, and 11, according to the purpose of the counsel of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace. All of this, all that we have received from the Father through the Son, should cause us to turn and praise him, to bless him for what he has done for us in Christ. Now I must admit, not all of us have a great relationship with As we look, even in our own community, fatherhood is not something that is highly esteemed, as so many fathers have chosen themselves over their children. Fathers are often the laughing point of many TV sitcoms. They are portrayed as aloof, disconnected, uninterested, and more often than not, absent. As a book I read almost a decade ago was entitled, The Fatherless Generation, speaking about the epidemic in the United States of a generation of boys who will be raised only by mothers. Brothers and sisters, this is not how God the Father operates. He is not aloof. He is not disconnected or uninterested. He is not absent or unloving or unkind. God the Father, regardless of the way that your father treated you, has lavished everything he has upon you in Christ. He has chosen you to be adopted as his son and as his daughter. And what a father should do, say, all that I have is yours because I love you and I'm gracious. Fathers, how well do we reflect this portrait? in our own homes. 
The Father administrates our redemption to the praise of His glorious grace, and the Son accomplishes our redemption to the praise of His glorious grace. This passage is Father-focused, but is also Christ-centered. In the first 14 verses of this letter, we see the title of Christ, or its equivalent, or it's a pronoun, and it occurs more than 15 times the phrase, in Christ, in Him, or as it says once in verse 7, in the Beloved. Because it is in Christ, because we are incorporated into Christ, that God blesses us. Everything that Paul writes, that which God has to offer, is given because we, the church, are in Christ. Every aspect of this verse involves, be, involves Christ being the conduit with which God pours His blessing upon His people. And yet what does Christ always do? Pushes us to praise the Father. As we see in John 17:1, when Jesus spoke these words, He lifted His eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify Your Son so that the Son might glorify You. Paul is doing the same thing that Jesus always did, pointing the people to God the Father to praise Him for what He has done for them in Christ. Both Jews and Gentiles who believe in the gospel are incorporated. I'll say this. You, will, you, have, you have heard me say this. The church is united to Christ by faith. Everything we have is because of what the work that He has done. When, Christ, when God the Father looks at us, He sees Christ. We have been moved, transferred from the realm of being in Adam to being in Christ. And as we said, the Father has blessed us in every way. He has blessed us in Christ. And this is what we receive because we are in, in Christ. In verse 3, we are blessed. In verse 4, we are chosen. In Him, before the foundation of the world. In Him, we are holy and blameless. In Him, we are adopted as sons. In Him, we have redemption by His blood. In Him, we are forgiven. In Him, we are made rich. In Him, we are made knowers of the mysteries of God. In Him, we receive an inheritance. In Him, we were predestined. In Him, we hope. In Him, we beloved. Everything the Father has to offer us is because of Christ. Some have said that union with Christ is the basis of all of Paul's theology. And in fact, in chapter 2, this is where Paul goes in verses 11 through 22. This is the foundation of the church. The church are people that are in union with Christ. This is how God blesses them. If you do not have Christ, you have nothing. If you are not in Christ, you have no reason to praise. You have no reason to bless God. You have no reason to have, as Paul says in the second verse of this, chapter, of this book, you have no reason to have peace. Because you are still walk, walking and following the ways of this world. And that's a bleak description of life without Christ. If this describes you or describes any part of your life, our response should be where Paul is pushing us. God, please bless us in Christ. God and Father of Jesus, cause me to hope. Cause me to hear your word of truth. 
allow me to believe in Jesus. If this list is not a list that describes you, where is the loyalty of your heart? This is why I believe this is a good passage for this new year. Our New Year's resolutions typically are try harder and do better. But our New Year's resolutions should be look at what you have in Jesus. Father, help me when I forget where my blessings come from. Father, help me to believe that I haven't earned this, that you have lavished it upon us because you love us in Christ. Lord, help us this new year to remember all we have to offer is to hope in Christ. The Father administrates our redemption to the praise of His glorious grace. The Son accomplishes our redemption to the praise of His glorious grace. And the Spirit applies our redemption to the praise of His glorious grace. It's Father-focused, Christ-centered, and it is Spirit-sealed. And you might think, you know, the Holy Spirit kind of gets a bad rap. It doesn't get a lot of attention. But if you continually read your New Testament and Old Testament, what you will continually see is the, the work of the Spirit is never to focus on Himself. But the work of the Spirit is always to point us to Christ. Just as the work of Christ always points us to the Father. You see, this is our affinity for the Trinity. The God, three in one, is at work for our salvation. God administrates our redemption. Christ accomplishes our redemption. The Spirit seals our redemption. This passage is stamped with God the Holy Spirit. Anytime Paul uses the word spiritual, the Holy Spirit is in the background of his thought. In verse 3, we received spiritual blessing. In verse 14, the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance until we take possession of it. Why? To the praise of His glorious grace. From beginning to end, our redemption is a work of the Holy Trinity. God three in one. The God, the Holy Spirit, changes our hearts, allows us to hear the gospel of our, of our salvation, and believing in Jesus, and He comes upon us, guaranteeing our inheritance, our redemption in Christ. You whom God has chosen, you who are in Christ, have received the third person of the Trinity. And because of Him, you are guaranteed God's salvation. You are safe. Not because anything that you have done, but because God's grace has been lavished upon you. You need not look to the future to figure out what I might do to earn God's love. If you are in Christ, the Spirit has sealed you for the day of redemption. It's fascinating. As we look at this passage, we see the temporal aspect of it. Paul speaks about the future past. God planning our redemption from the foundations of the earth. Then we see our present reality the inheritance that we have received as adoption 
in adoption as sons and daughters in Christ. And Paul also looks to our future. Here with the Holy Spirit, we have an inheritance that we look forward to because we will one day acquire everything that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit have done on our behalf by His grace. You need not look any further. You need not work any harder. Paul reminds us that where we are headed is because God has loved us in Christ and we are guaranteed salvation. And what must we do? Hope in Jesus. And this is why we come to this table. This is where we feel, see, taste, and touch God's seal that He has promised in our redemption. We do not come because we were good in 2020. We do not come because we've promised to be good in 2021. We come because the Father has chosen us in Christ and the Spirit has been poured upon us. We come because we are weary, not because we are strong. We come because we have been called, not because we're still waiting for God to do something else. We come because we have been blessed in Christ. And because of that, Paul prescribes the church of Jesus Christ. Praise His glorious grace. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, to the praise of His glorious grace, which He has lavished upon us. Praise Him. What gets you excited? This verse, this passage, should get you excited because you have everything in Christ. The affinity for the Holy Trinity. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Let us pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit,